It's time to put down the pen and paper and retire those spreadsheets. It's time to upgrade with Tree Plotter Jobs, a straightforward estimating, scheduling, and work order software built for small and mid-sized tree care companies. Tree Plotter Jobs is based on maps. Think Google Maps with all of the information you need connected to a real world location. You can impress potential clients with interactive maps in your estimates and ensure your crews always know exactly where and what to work on. A job subscription is only $95 a month and supports unlimited users. So to learn more about jobs, go to planetgeo.com. That's P-L-A-N-I-T-G-E-O.com. You can also test it out for yourself with a free two-month trial. Just enter the promo code JOBS60 at checkout. Are you interested in making a difference in the tree care industry? TCIA is currently seeking candidates for the at-large director positions on its board of directors for a term running from 2023 to 2026. The TCIA Board of Directors is responsible for making strategic decisions that help point the organization in the correct direction to better serve our members and the industry as a whole. We are currently looking for both active and corporate members this year, but beyond that, we're also looking for those aligned with the Board's core values and who have a passion for advancing tree care businesses. All candidate applications must be completed and received by May 23, 2022 to be considered by the TCIA Nominations Committee. For more information or to apply, please visit elections.tcia.org. Cool. Who am I? Um, it's funny, I was, uh, I took part in this class um, last fall, and that was one of the questions that we uh, took up like every day for a couple of weeks is just this, who am I, um, you know, journaling about that. And, um, so I think it's a good question for anyone to ask themselves, like, who am I? Uh, and I am a, uh, dad. I've got two children, a daughter who's 11 and a son who's six. And I'm also a husband. I have a wife, Amy, who, uh, uh, works as a nurse practitioner. We live out in uh, just north of Boulder, Colorado, small town called Niwot. And uh, yeah, I'm also a son and a brother. I'm also someone that's been on the planet for 46 years. So that kind of blows my mind sometimes like what? Um, and uh, yeah, working as an arborist, that's my, it's my craft, and my trade. And I'm a business owner. I guess you could say too, a small tree care business that uh, we started in 2020 uh, after I left uh, my previous business that I had been in for about eight years. And I also serve on the uh, TCIA Board of Directors, which is a great community of other professionals uh, in our industry that I love to get together with and you know look at our industry. Um, I also serve on as the chair for the, the Colorado Tree Care Sector Partnership. And that is an industry, industry group within Colorado uh, of arboriculture companies. And we've gotten together, we work together to help find solutions to the challenges um, in our industry. And most of those challenges are focused on workforce. Um, one of the, the 
the key objectives of that organization is to get um, registered arborist apprenticeship to this place, to the sustainable place, right? Like get this flywheel going um, on uh, arborist apprenticeship. We're actually um, going to celebrate the graduation or completion um, of our first cohort of apprentices coming up here on April 6th. Um, so it's been three years we've been working on that. So we have um, some folks that will be recognized as journey worker arborists, which is not only um, a really cool milestone for our profession, um, but also for us here in the state of Colorado. And I'm passionate about any effort that uplifts, you know, the experience of people within our industry. So um, it's easy for me to put effort into arborist apprenticeship because it's something that pays back in, in my experience. And um, yeah, so that's kind of who I am. Um, I really like being active. So it's kind of easy to do tree work because that's a great way to be active. I love the ocean as I live here in landlocked Colorado. And I love surfing. That's kind of my heart's joy is to go surfing. So this year when the uh, tree care industry winter management conference was in Hawaii, I was stoked to say the least. And I have to share that uh, like my heart was um, felt complete when I saw my son and my daughter both paddling into their own waves uh, up on the North Shore Kauai, that was just like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm successful as, as a dad and a human because my kids are hooked on surfing too. So those are just some uh, answers, I guess, to your question, who am I? You know, I'm also someone that's really curious about the human experience and also very curious about our relationship with living beings on this planet, especially trees. Um, that's something that really captures my interest. And I find that there's so much that we just are scratching the surface on as humans uh, and as a profession. And uh, it gets me really excited about the future of what we do working with trees. Uh, you know, we, as arborists, we work in this interface between humans and trees, you know, trees are fine. They've been here for millions of years. There's a lot of wisdom there that's accrued in those millions of years. And um, it's really fun to sort of be a liaison between humans and trees, uh, in my experience. So that is also part, I'd say, of who I am. So long winded answer. I'm someone who likes to talk. Is that and also acceptable. <laughs> That's it's all good. No, and I appreciate. It. I mean, you know, first off, congrats to you guys for having that program be successful for apprenticeship and, you know, being able to celebrate that is absolutely huge. Uh, you know, congrats to watching your kids enjoy the same passions that you have. I I can only imagine what all that must be like and just kind of just thinking there's so many places to go with what everything you just said, but the first of which, cause I'm curious um, with your passion for outdoors and trees and being the liaison, how exactly did you get your start in the tree care industry? Was it a totally planned move or is it just somewhere that you kind of fell into? Yeah. How did I get my start? I mean, I could come at this from a number of angles. One thing I realized we were in Charlotte in 2018 and I realized like, wait a minute, the first time I ever went to Expo, TCIA Expo, 
uh, and then it was NAA at the time, was in 1998 in Baltimore um, because I had agreed to be hired by the company was the Care of Trees. They had an office in it's like Alexandria, Virginia. And I was a student in forestry at Virginia Tech. And I had agreed to take a job with them. And the manager, Tim, I think it was Thanksgiving break, he had invited me, or, or maybe it wasn't, it was just November. He invited me up to go to the expo. And I, uh, it was at Baltimore and it's where I'm from. So I met him and his wife and we went and toured the trade show floor. And I remember trying out this thing at the time called like a spider jack and uh, had to like footlock up the rope with the spider jack. And, and I just tried it and it was really fun. And he was like, Ooh, that looked like it was easy for you. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Never done that before. Um, but it was just a great, I, I realized that, you know, in 2018 being on the board, if I zoomed back 20 years earlier, that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to, you know, really formally the tree care industry, you know, but like many things in life that didn't go quite the way probably he had intended. Um, because right after that, when I was graduating, I took me an extra semester to graduate. I had applied to the Peace Corps and I got an invitation um, to go to serve in Nepal as a Peace Corps volunteer. So I had to make that painful phone call. I mean, I'd even lined up an apartment, had a start date and everything. And I'd say, hey, Tim, uh, sorry, hate to do this to you, but uh, I got an invitation to go to Nepal for two years and I can't take the job. And so uh, I had to bail out of that. And I'm sure there are plenty of business owners and managers who have been on the receiving end of like, you know, you invest in a new hire and you think you got them locked in and then something comes up. And so I was kind of that guy. And uh, yeah, so I, I did that. I ended up going to the Peace Corps for a couple of years. You know, I had a degree in forestry. Um, I was always have been interested in the mechanical aspect of our work. Like, so during college, you know, I would uh, work in a, in a forestry lab, like welding, you know, I'd fabricate and weld and, and work on trucks. Like we, we fabricated our own grapple loader uh, onto an old fire truck chassis and stuff like that. So, um, so I, I, my degree was in industrial forest operations because at the time Virginia tech didn't have an arboriculture or urban forestry degree. And that just seemed to be the best match for me. And, uh, so I had that degree, went in the Peace Corps for a couple of years, came out of the Peace Corps, um, was pretty sick, you know, tons of GI bugs over there, had septic tonsils. So I had to have some surgery to get my tonsils removed. Uh, I had to move back in with my folks. Didn't have to, but I, it was convenient. And that was in, um, in Baltimore. And so I, I, I had this sense, I was actually, I had been living down at the beach and I remember listening to this radio program and they were relaying the story of Jonah and the whale. And for whatever reason that resonated with me that like, you know, we all have a calling on this planet and I knew my calling was trees. And so I just, it just felt right to move back in with my folks, uh, get this surgery going. And then I kind of knew that I should like apply to another arborist company and so I applied to the uh, Bartlett office in Finksburg, Maryland, met uh, Peter Becker and John Smithmeyer and Brian Roten. And, um, you know, they, they offered me a job and yeah, I started 
dragging brush, you know, and working on a slightly abusive tree care crew, you know, this, this mentality of, I think it was make him or break him was, you know, some things I kind of heard there, which wasn't like the gentle, loving, kind uh, <laughs> spirit, maybe that we, we embrace today. And so that's how I got my start, you know, specifically in tree care. Um, and I loved it. Like, you know, just saw, you know, cl guys climbing up in trees and, um, you know, I got my taste of that and it was really fun. It was a welcome shift, you know, just to work with your body and, and, um, and then this, this looseness of the, the work, you know, like, you know, swinging around, chucking branches out of trees or, you know, cutting a big section out of a tree and watching it crash to the ground. Like it just felt gratifying and powerful. And at the end of the day, you come home and you're just, you're, you're, you're whooped. And, um, that, that worked pretty well for me at that time. So that's kind of how I got started into the profession of tree care. If that helps answer your question. No, it does. It does greatly. I mean, that's, it's such a, a crazy, you know, twist and turn. And then, you know, with the Peace Corps, and I think that kind of brings up the point for, uh, like you were saying, how employers have to deal with that kind of stuff, you know, frequently when you think you have them and then something else pops up, but it kind of goes back to a lot of things we talk about now where it's not about just pay anymore. It's about what other kind of things can you offer them? Uh, Work-life balance is hugely important and giving them opportunities to maybe not two years of an opportunity to do something like that, but giving that kind of time to, to your employees or to potential employees to do something like that really could make or break you picking them up. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that's the, you know, like work is so, it's such a, you know, the construct of work is a strange thing, you know, I mean, we're humans and, um, we obviously have energy and we need to survive and we've created these structures to allow us to do that. But those structures all don't always match with like how we are as humans, you know? And, and I think that's something that I see, um, you know, that's one of the great opportunities that the pandemic has created is this opportunity to, to like step back from work and look at it and say, Hey, what's working what, what aligns with us and what doesn't. And I think that there's this old, you know, probably post-industrial, post-World War II culture of what work is supposed to look like. This normative, get there early, you know, it's always, you know, Bartlett, I, you know, if you're not early or late, I got there at 6.30 every morning, you know, because that was, you know, because we'd all hang out and bullshit in the morning. And, and then you're, you know, you're a, you're a good employee if you get there at 6.30 and if you're rolling in 6.55, you know, um, some of these things, you know, that, that we look at. And I mean, it's, I'm grateful to be in a position where I can look at those and, you know, be a little fluid with that. Um, I have a small company now, so we can um, be a little less formal. You know, we don't have, uh, uh, you know, this like, you know, we're not trying to get 60 people aligned and moving in the same direction every morning. It's two or three people. So it's a little bit of a different animal uh, in those ways. Is part of your approach to work in the pandemic, is that what led you to wanting to be part of, you know, a smaller company and creating something like that? Was the environment aspect or? No, I think that having a smaller company is, is, is the result of getting out of a, a business and a partnership that wasn't really aligned with 
um, where I, where I wanted to go, you know, I was, I was running uh, another company and co-owned that company and looking at what the, I wanted the future to be. And um, so it basically arrived at this place where I was like, Oh, well, my best future is, excuse me, sorry, is to sell my, my half of the company and leave it. And so that's what I committed to do. And so that gave me this opportunity to start over um, and recreate and, and also like give myself some space to see what, you know, who I am and what's important to me, what are my values and what do I want to be up to professionally and those types of things. Um, so that's kind of how I've arrived at having a new small business and the things that, that have come up for me, you know, right now with the business, I mean, I talked about starting in the field and, you know, I, I loved these aspects of the work that were sort of like aggressive and violent, you know, like chainsaws and chippers and cranes. And you're, I mean, you know, we're these like soft little naked humans, right. And we can grab a tool and cut down this like massive tree that's been growing for a hundred years. Right. Like, you know, that's this, like, that's a wild experience, you, you know, for, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, as a young person, being able to come into a profession and exert that it, it'd be a part of that type of like activity and power felt empowering. Um, and now, you know, I'm 46 years old and I look at it and I'm like, well, yes. And, you know, what also comes up is like this desire to honor all the life that's around us. I think that what I run into in most humans is that there's this sort of subconscious knowing or awareness of the pace that we are living, the resource consumption that we are a part of is not in balance with like a life on this planet. So if we are going to create a world that is better for our grandchildren, we probably need to look at what we're doing and how we're doing it. And that's what comes up for me. And so, you know, I look at like, how do we interact with plants? How do we interact with trees? Like humans and trees were like, you know, someone was asking me the other day, I did this garden talk to a local garden club. And they said, Josh, what do you think? Like, if you look at Boulder in the 1800s, there really weren't any trees. And now humans have moved in and, and you look and there's this urban forest that wasn't there before. So humans and trees were like these associated organisms, you know, trees, like, you know, my company is named We Love Trees. And for me, that really speaks to this relationship. Like trees love us. Like they give us so much, like we plant them, they give us shade, we eat their nuts and their fruits and we build houses out of them. Like this is this like very intimate, um, interdependent relationship. And so I just recognize that like, hey, we have to um, be aware of how we are interacting with the life on this planet as a species um, or we're going to keep getting smacked in the face. And, you know, we might not be a species in another, I don't know, 10,000 years. Like, like what's our trajectory as a species on this planet? And so I think that for me, there's this awareness of that and this desire to practice our profession in a way that honors that life. So, and also honors like our human uh, experience, you know, like I'm tired of smelling two stroke. Like if I never smell 
two-stroke exhaust again, great. If I never had to smell diesel exhaust again, awesome. You know, and so like we use all battery powered equipment. It's a dirty planet. There's no like, like, you know, there's there's no way to, to do any work without causing some harm. But, you know, it sure is nice to be able to push a button and, and uh, you know, make a chainsaw cut rather than, you know, yank with my arm and, you know, and I got to warm up this saw and I see the smoke spewing out like, no, thanks. Um, <laughs> so those are just the, some of the things that where I've gotten to professionally that, that, um, you know, I want to implement some change there and how we do those things. And, oh, you know, if not running a two stroke chainsaw means that I have to take a few more minutes to get some work done. Like that's okay with me, you know, and I can present that to my clients and say, Hey, you know, yeah, it might take us a little bit longer, but maybe we're a little bit quieter and maybe we're not quite as stinky. Um, you know, those, those kinds of things. And I think this is a, a good jumping off point to talk about how you can go about influencing uh, the industry as a whole and doing stuff like that. And, you know, as a member of the TCI board of directors, you kind of are able to work with a bunch of different people from large and small companies. But for the people who aren't aware, what exactly do you do as a director on the board of directors? Yeah. Um, so the board, the board is a strategic board, right? And so that means we're not a tactical board, right? Strategy is you know, some people might say it's what you don't do, um, but it's it's setting the direction, right? Like, where are we going? It's like looking way off into the future and saying, you know, we're a ship and um, we want to get to that island. That's the island we want to get to. And as a board, that's what we're tasked with is, is oh, look, there's 10 islands out there. Which one do we want to get to? Or do we want to go and try to find some new island that hasn't been discovered yet? Right. And so we get together as a board and we we discuss and we um, you know communicate about that and we go through process that, that helps us to identify a strategy. And then we, you know, uh, ideally empower David White and all of you to go off and figure out how to get the ship there. Right. Um, that's you know, that's the tactical part, you know, that, you know, hey, do we have enough fuel on the boat? You know, is, is, can the boat handle the seas? That kind of thing. So um, as a board, we're really tasked with looking out to the future, um, also looking back at where we've come from and, um, you know, getting really clear on that strategy. And that's, you know, strategy is, you know, as you're sailing that boat or that ship, uh, oh, there's an iceberg. We got to steer around it. You know, something's come up or oh, a pandemic, we have to shift. So a lot of it is, it's not heavy lifting. It's a volunteer board. You know, it's it, a lot of it's just participation and communication. Um, and it's a great place to learn. Um, I've really enjoyed um, the relationships uh, that have come out of being on the board. I've loved the learning that's taken place um, for me. Um, and the friendships and relationships that have come out of participating on that board. And, you know, it's humans, right? And so as humans, it, 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 we bring all our stuff with us, right? So somebody's having a rough day or somebody misunderstood or, you know, there's some conflicts. Like, how do you work through conflict in a, you know, constructive way? And 
you know, I think that we do that on the board. And um, I think everyone on that board really does care about this industry and wants to see it thriving uh, in the future. So that's kind of the, the work on the board. And why did you, why did you want to be part of the board? I mean, from, from all the work that you put in the volunteer position, there's a lot of stuff that you guys do behind the scenes that really uh, it's a lot of work. So I don't know what, what led you to wanting to serve on the board? Yeah, for me, it's like, I I mean, I like participating, you know, it's, it's like sport, you know, like I want to play. And so when I would go to winter management conference and their discussions, like I have an opinion, I want to share my opinion and, and uh, um, influence like that's fun for me. Um, And so when, um, you know, and of course I didn't regard myself as someone that, you know, is maybe um, ready or, or, or deserved to be on the board. You know, I think most of us kind of, you know, despite, uh, you know, having a level of confidence, we all kind of at times sort of doubt ourselves or feel we're not ready. Um, but I was invited by a mentor. He's like, Hey man, put your application in. It would be great to, to have you, you know, at least apply. And I did. And then I interviewed and um, it's fun, you know, to me, like people ask, it's just like this, you're asking me questions. You want to know what I think? Like, I'll tell you what I think. Um, and so it's just a chance to influence and be a part of that and be a part of something that's bigger than just me. Um, and that's always attracted me to, to anything. Like, that's why I went in the Peace Corps. I was like, wait a minute, there's a world of people out there that are doing new and different things that I could be friends with. This seems like a really cool way to do that. And I think the board is the same thing for me. It's like, oh, there's this group of people that's setting the direction for our industry that I've been working in for 20 years. Well, shit, I'll, I'll get on that, you know, and, and maybe, uh, you know, I can have some influence. And, and um, that just sounds, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, and you, you, you all get to touch a lot of topics that matter, you know, sustainability, uh, the workforce, even like yeah. you're saying, just the general future of where uh, tree care is going to end up. I think you kind of started touching base on it a little bit, but the the battery powered equipment, you know, just it's one part of many that that you all get to work on. And by bringing your ideas to each other, you get to really small companies, large companies, uh, you know, our corporate yeah. member companies, you really start to get to to get to make make the change that you want to see in the industry yeah yeah you get to have some some influence and i I think one of the the really cool things about getting a group of people together is they all have their own unique perspective and their own unique way of experiencing the world right and so the way that i experience the world you know might not be the way that david fleischner experiences the world right and so we each bring our unique perspectives and share them and you know other people get to you know to do the same and and we can and then taking all of that and having someone that's like david white who's you know has a really strong process um strength and and taking you know all these diverse perspectives and really distilling them down into um, some, some clear strategy is, is a fun process. So, um, and, and I, I, when I came onto the board, that's one thing that, you know, I, I grew up outside of Baltimore. Um, I grew up in a pretty diverse community, ethnically, racially, and, you know, I look at our industry 
And, and I just see opportunity for us to enroll and engage with a much more diverse, you know, po- you know, like the population within our country. Like, I mean, you know, um, there's a guy, Alex Smith. We both went to Randallstown High School. Um, he runs a, a landscape company in Baltimore. And he also helped to develop this program that trains and upskills previously incarcerated people to get jobs in the horticulture field. And he came into horticulture because he got busted for drugs, I think, in college and or in, in uh, sorry, high school and, you know, and, and ended up you know, doing some time in jail. And, and um, that's where he learned about horticulture. And now he's out influencing and, you know, like recruiting and improving, you know, his industry. And here I am, I went to college and that's how I got into this field of like working with plants. You know, there's two, two people that went through the same school system and had diverse paths to come back into this field. And, and so I, I just see that as an industry, we could be speaking to a much more diverse group, you know, not only, um, you know, different, you know, ethnicities or, or racial diversity, but also, um, you know, like half of our population is female or over, you know, and, and we're underrepresented as an industry. And so like, and we're, we're making great strides on that. I'd love to see, you know, our board reflect, uh, you know, our population a, a little more because I think that would serve our industry better. Um, so those are some things that came up for me when I was um, interviewing for the board. You know, the other thing that really comes up for me is I've trees were my friends from like really a young age. Like I, you know, there's some times growing up when I was a young kid where I just needed, I needed these friends and I would go into my backyard. My great grandmother had planted these apple trees and this Douglas fir tree. And I'd climb into those trees and like, they didn't need me to be a different way. They weren't asking anything of me. I just got to be with them and they were my friends. And so, you know, I want to give back to them. And there's all these kids that innately treat, they share this bond with trees and plants, you know, and it's this, it's something within them. And I think that the better job we can do to connect with those children and humans that are out there that feel this connection with trees and want to work with them and show them that, Hey, you can, and you can, you can have a really rewarding career, you know, taking that love that you have and manifesting that into, into good work. Um, That's the other thing that really came up for me um, in terms of like some of my why for, for being in this industry and, and um, kind of like Mundy said in her acceptance or her chair speech, you know, a few years ago, it was like, I want every child, grade school child, especially young, young girls to know that like, hey, they could be a, a doctor or a lawyer or an architect or an arborist. You know, that's like, uh, that's, that, that's to me would be, you know, a sweet place to, to get to as an industry, just awareness. Because every time you tell somebody about what we do, they're like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. You know, like I have a neighbor down the street. He's like, man, if I had to do it over again, I'd, I'd go into tree work. I, that just seems so cool. You know, and um, I don't know. That that's that fills my cup. Yeah. And, and I love everything that you said about all of this. And 
I'd be remiss if I didn't say right now we're currently accepting nominations for people to apply to be a director on the board of directors. Now, you said you had a mentor come and tell you, you know, you should be on it and here's all the good things about it. Uh, I just need you to fill the role of mentor for all these people who may be sitting on the outskirts thinking I don't have the experience. I'm not right. It's not the right point of time. I'm too young. I'm too old, whatever it may be. What do you, what do you want to say to any of those people out there right now? So as far as I can tell, and I didn't come up with this, but nobody on this planet has it figured out. Okay. So like some people would say this planet is like a giant mental hospital where there are humans on it and they're all working on their stuff. Right. So if we say that's what's happening, (laughs) that means nobody really has ultimate authority, right? Like nobody really knows what's going on. And that means that every single human here has something to offer, right? No matter who you are, where you are in your career, where you are in life, there's something you have to offer. And so if there's a spark of desire in you to contribute or to share what you have to offer, and that's within our industry, or you feel called to, to share what you have, your, either your gift or your experiences or your perspective, like put your name in the hat. You have to play to win, you know, and, and playing doesn't mean you're going to win the first time, you know, sometimes, you, you know, like persistence and perseverance pay off. So I would just say, if there's something you're you're excited about and you have some some desire and you want to contribute, tree care industry is a great place to do that and put your name in the hat. And you know, there's a limited number of spots. So you're probably not going to get it your first time, but don't give up. You know, it's like anything, it's it's not about uh, it's the journey too. And so um that's what I would say. Um, yeah, please, uh, you know, we're we're the future of where we want to go as an industry uh, is, um, you know, determined by who's out there working uh, in the industry right now, you know, and, and um, you know, just like our younger generations really lead us to, um, you know, to our future. And so we need that. We need fresh perspective. I work in the field, right? So I climb trees currently. I, I, I didn't do that a lot earlier in my career, you know, being a manager, being in sales, but I look around the board and, and you know, we don't have necessarily have a strong representation of, you know, production workers, you know, someone like Noel Boyer, who's clearly, you know, like a master at climbing. I mean, he definitely brings that. And there's some other folks that still climb as well, but, um, So, yeah, I I think um, everyone deserves the opportunity to be considered. So put your name in the hat. Go for it. Um, If you're curious, want to know more about the experience, uh, I'm happy to chat with anybody. And I think anyone else on the board is happy to share their experience, too. Uh, We're a welcoming bunch. And, yeah, we we want uh, fresh perspectives on the board. Thank you. And you kind of touched base on it, but uh, the future and looking towards the future of the industry, what are you uh, either looking at right now to be the future or what are you hoping to be the future? So, yeah, my vision for the future of our industry 
Yeah, I mean, I look at like the mechanization that's happening, right? Like you see these like big machines that, you know, are, are you know, like these, you know, it's like this, you know, social media, all this tree porn, you know, like the, the stuff that really gets people's attention or like, oh, look at that machine, cut that tree down in like 10 minutes or, you know, watch this massive tree get cut down. And that, that seems like reductionist to me. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, you know, in, in business, we might take something that has like, a lot of energy and, and experience and, and, and spirit to it. And then it gets reduced and, and diminished, right? And so it's important to me that our interactions with trees and plant life aren't actually diminished, that they're like expansive. And I hear that over and over again from people like clients and, you know, just, just people that are out and about, like, they want relationship with the earth. They want relationship with living beings. Um, and so I really see our role as arborists in the future is to, is to take our understanding of plants and our knowledge and relationship with these plants and help other humans to get into relationship with them as well. You know, and whether that looks like honoring this massive tree that's been on your property for 60 years, and now you've you're going to say goodbye to it be, for whatever reason, you know, but helping people to, um, to really experience that and, you know, hopefully influence our species so that there's reverence um, and, and gratitude for, you know, all the gifts that trees do share with us and, and, the, and getting us closer to alignment with a healthy ecosystem, right. Where, you know, I think if you look at the amount of energy we expend in just moving biomass around, it's like, wow. I mean, you know, and the wisdom of trees is that everything they grow and create, their intention is that that stays in place. Like they don't move, you know, they, they're like all their leaves that are dropping off. That's like future soil, right? All the dead branches, you know, eagles nests or, you know, like, um, that's my vision for, um, where I'd like to see us go as an industry is that we really become these, um, you know, like these translators for, uh, for trees and ecosystems and humans. Yeah. And I like your, the reductionist aspect you're talking about. It immediately made me think back to, uh, one of my favorite stories growing up was the Lorax. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, very much. That was all about the reductionist aspect and stepping away from uh, the the personal side of things and looking around at the, a lot of the industry. A lot of people are coming up with different procedures for sustainability, uh, both in their local community and just uh, in general. Your company has some focus. I was reading on your website on sustainability and one of the things I was saying was finding a way to, like you, like you were saying, honor the the trees and stuff on the property. What does what does that actually look like? You know, so uh, one example of that is, um, you know, we I live out you know Front Range, Colorado. I mean, we just had a fire yesterday, right? And we had this massive fire not too long ago. Um, and so it's this very dynamic weather area that really, you know, it's not you know, really suited for trees in a lot of ways. But when we had that big fire come through with those hundred mile an hour winds, um, a client of mine had a big spruce blowdown, and, um, she called me and she said, I understand there's a lot of other stuff going on, but when you can, can you come over? And so this big spruce blew down in her backyard 
and it missed, you know, pretty much everything that, it, you know, like didn't hit the deck, but it's in her backyard. And, you know, she loved that tree. She's watched it grow. And, and she even refers to it with the gender pronoun, right? Like she, like, you know, the, the spruce is this she to her. And, and so she experienced this loss of like this spruce tree falling over. And I said, well, it's fallen. And, you know, we don't have to rush to like make it go away. You know, as humans, we're like, oh, my gosh, that's dead. Make it go away. I don't I don't want to see death. And, you know, Rue, who's my client, was like, well, one thing I noticed was as soon as it fell over, the birds were all freaked out. And then the next day, they all started like, you know, congregating inside this fallen spruce tree. And it became habitat for them to access like the bird feeders and things. And she, you know, really enjoyed seeing these birds inhabit this fallen spruce tree. And that's like, uh, you know, that's like this tree is now taking a new form. It's fallen over. It's on her property. And the, the other animals are interacting with it. You know, she, she said, hey, do we have to cut it down right now? And I, I said, no, we can leave it for a while, you know, as long as you want to enjoy it. And of course, she lives in HOA, right? And so the HOA is like, what's your plan for getting rid of that tree? Um, and... Uh, so have an estimate for to, to take the tree down, but we basically just, you know, it's, it's been a couple months and we're just allowing this fallen tree to be on our property. And we are going to go in and, and cut it down and we're going to grind up all the branches and we're going to reintroduce those, uh, you know, as mulch onto our property. And we're going to take a portion of the stem and, you know, make it into a little bench um, as a way to honor the presence of that tree. And um, so it's just finding small ways. It's, it's nothing like that other people aren't doing already, but it's just creating a little bit of space for the conversation, you know, to ask this, this woman like who's upset because she's her beloved tree has died. Say, well, what do you want to see here? And she's like, well, I'm really enjoying the birds. I'm like, well, I don't, you know, my business isn't like, I don't have to come and cart this thing off tomorrow, let's give it some time and some space. And I, I you know, I think that's, um, you know, when I was a young kid, I climbed this Douglas fir tree when I was like three years old, you know, it freaked my mom out. And later on, you know, my parents said a tree person had come and said that tree has to get cut down. And so I like spent every day I could up in that tree because I thought it was going to get cut down, you know? So I was like being with my friend. And then the day the tree guy came, he they actually said, you know what, the tree doesn't have to come down. So there's like this reprieve. But, you know, how many kids are, are out there that have friendships with trees and we come in in our adult world, you know, and decide like the tree needs to go? And so how can you honor that relationship that that, that child may have with that tree? You know, I, I cut down a, a willow tree for an HOA last year and I didn't want to cut it down, but they're like, no, we're scared. It's going to cause a flood. And uh, so, so we're out there cutting this tree down and I hear these two young kids come out of their house into the backyard and they're like these joyous little voices. And then all of a sudden I hear this, our willow tree. And they look and, you know, we've cut down their friend and um, you know, it was heartbreaking. 
you know, and, and they came over like they're so courageous. They came over and, and with their mom and they said, can we have parts of the tree? And uh, so, uh, you know, I, we gave them some, some logs and then I also gave them some cuttings because I explained how the life of a willow can exist in the small branchlets so you can plant one in some, you know, wet soil or water and it'll sprout. So yeah, just creating space for those relationships and for that connection and, and to honor that, that, yeah, this tree had to come down, but the relationship that the kids had with that tree is just as important. Um, and, you know, honoring their experience. Um, and that's what that looks like for me.